Well, hey, good morning, Story. How you guys doing? Good to go? Ready to rock? I, I had my coffee this morning. I'm ready. I'm fired up. I'm excited to be here. It's good to be with you and join in. Uh, if you don't know who I am, my name is David, and uh, uh, we are a part of, here at Story and then a couple other churches here in Grand Rapids, are a part of a network together called the Zero Collective. Uh, it's a group of churches that are on mission together. Uh, our vision is to see zero people that are unchanged by Jesus in this particular community. So I get to join you today. Give Kyle a break. You have an awesome pastor, by the way. I love Kyle. Come on, give it up for Kyle. Uh, I've had the privilege of working with Kyle for, I think, two or three years now. I met him uh, on the way to a conference. He sat up front. Uh, we just became really, really good buddies. And just what I would say to you is just, man, his heart is truly for the Lord. It's for you. It's for this community. Uh, and you are so well served by him. But one of the things I get to do today is just give him a break so he can kind of just chillax just for a little bit, take a Sunday off. Uh, I love listening to him. I listen to him almost every week uh, just as a, as a preacher, uh, as a developer. Developer, uh, just of content and Bible, and it's just you, you are so well served here. So I'm excited to be with you just for a couple couple minutes this morning. For those of you that don't know me, maybe you've never seen me before, or you haven't uh, you haven't been here when I was here. Uh, I have two boys at home. I'm married. My wife's name is Shannon. I have a four year old who's back in the children's area right now, and then I have a one year old. Uh, and my one year old looks like this. This is Jordan. Uh, my boys like to dress up. There he is. My boys like to dress up. Uh, they're at that age where like, we have a number of different costumes in our house. We have police officer, we have firefighter, we have construction worker, we have veterinarian, uh, but this is super dude. We call it super dude. Uh, oversized mask with a cape. And so what Jordan does, he's a big boy. So his belly sticks out a little bit more like his dad, unfortunately. And so he, when he runs, he kind of just lets his belly lead and then he follows wherever his belly takes him. But this is super dude. He dresses up. Uh, and one thing that's fun about them is like, you, you see what they love. You see what they desire. You see what they want to be at some point someday, just based on what they wear. I mean, Judah's running around with a stethoscope going, I want to feel your heart, dad. Where, where's your heart again? Show me where your heart is. I want to hear. I want to listen. Uh, so they're, they're having fun exploring just what do they maybe want to be someday. But one thing that I've never heard them say is they wanted to be a garbage man. They haven't said it yet. Even though they kill each other to fight over the window seat to see when the garbage truck shows up, uh, they've never said they want to be a garbage man. And here's a fun fact. Their dad, that'd be me, has been a garbage man. I was a garbage man. I lasted five days, five whole days Nine-hour days, each one of them. Uh, it, it was a totally different experience than I would have expected. Uh, there's still a lot of the you know, kind of back-breaking work. You're by yourself a lot. You're in a truck. Uh, it stinks. I mean, just I know you go, well, shocker. No, it, it like mega stinks. It, it is horribly stinky. Uh, we, we would go to the dump a couple of times a day, and if you think your garbage can smells bad, go to the place where all of those cans meet and then reproduce. I mean, it's just, it is an awful, awful place. Uh, but what's funny is that my boys don't aspire to do that, at least yet. Maybe a lot of you haven't aspired to be that. Maybe some of you do do that. I, here's what I would say. It's a, it's a great job. Uh, it, our whole society is appreciative for the role that garbage men play in our society. But similar to our society today, uh, a lot of times in, you know, 2,000 years ago, the ancient Near East, uh, what they would look at, uh, like we would garbage men, they would look at as like shepherds, uh, often by themselves, uh, a very stinky job, does this function for society that's just, it's appreciated when it's kind of like far off, you know, can't see it, don't appreciate, you know, kind of the, the level of work 
the tiresome activity that's involved. I mean, it was a job that most people just never wanted, and that was true 2,000 years ago, and it's still kind of true today. If you would go to the, to the Middle East today, it's still a job that most people wouldn't desire. So why do I tell you all of this, right? Why are we talking about garbage trucks and shepherds, et cetera? Uh, we're starting a brand new series today, and we're looking at the seven I am statements that Jesus made. And one of the statements that Jesus made is he said, I am the good shepherd. That's what he said. In John chapter 10, verse 11, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. You can imagine the confusion uh, or the unsettledness or just the, the question maybe that people would have at that time when Jesus said this. What he said was to a group of religious leaders, he goes, I'm the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. You can imagine their confusion when none of them wanted to be a shepherd. And yet here they are listening to the best teacher that they've ever heard. They're watching the best leader they've ever seen. They have the reputation. Jesus has this reputation known all around the land. Like here he is, he's in person and Jesus said, says, I want to be the thing that none of you actually want to be. That would have raised their eyebrows. It would have been confusing, especially because this group was bent on becoming the religious and societal elite. They wanted to be the best. Uh, and they were after something that I think a lot of us are still after today. They wanted a great following. They wanted a great group of people that looked at them, that admired them, that respected them. They wanted the best seat at the table. They wanted the most important position in their company, or they wanted the most important uh, platform that they could have reaching as many people as possible. What they were aspiring for was the top, and what Jesus came out and said is, no, I, I want to be the best at the bottom. The role that you have dismissed, the role that you don't care about, the role that's dismissed, you know, far off. Like if we don't ever talk about it, see it, I'm fine. Jesus says, I want to be that. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for sheep. But Jesus wasn't actually talking about animals. So check this out. John 10, verse 12. Here's what he says. He says, the hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and he runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. So what Jesus is doing here is he's starting to poke the bear. Do you have those people maybe like in your family or at work? Yes, sorry, sorry, don't nudge, right? Don't look at them. Do you have those people though that like they start poking, they start prodding, they start making statements that you go, they're not talking about sheep anymore, they're talking about something else. That's exactly what Jesus was doing and it was exactly what was felt by the people that were listening. Jesus starts poking and prodding, and he, he's using the analogy here of a shepherd specifically through the lens or the role of a leader, and in this case, a very spiritual leader. Jesus is saying there's spiritual leaders. He's talking to the Pharisees, this religious group that is aspiring to have the biggest following they could have. He's looking at them, and he's saying, you guys want to be shepherds. You want to have a flock. You want to have this large group of people, this large following. But what he starts saying is, but if you just treat it for the following, if you're just after a following or a number or a status or a symbol, whatever it is, if you're after that, you're, you're basically like a hired hand. And here's how we'll know. As soon as the threat comes, as soon as a cost is involved, as soon as something gets difficult or trying, what the hired hand does is he flees. He just leaves you high and dry. Have you ever had a leader like that, right? As soon as the threat comes, the, the people that they were there to protect or there to provide for or there to lead disappear. 
soon as there's a threat, as soon as there's a problem, as soon as there's a, an issue, all of a sudden they often become self-protective at the expense of those that they were called to lead. Here's what Jesus starts to do. He starts calling it out in front of everybody going, man, there's a bunch of people here that have a following. They have people that are looking to them, that respect them, that are listening to them. They're making decisions for their life based on what they say. But I want to say this, you will know the real shepherd because when push comes to shove, when the trials actually come, when, when there's a cost that's involved, the fake ones leave and the real one steps forward. You see what he's starting to do? He's starting to turn the finger towards himself and say, Here, here's the type of shepherd that I am, or here's the type of leader that Jesus actually is. Like so many leaders today, I think they were focused on the size of their flock rather than the lives in their flock. It became about themselves. It became about their status, their position, their power, their authority, their reputation. But Jesus was pivoting. He was saying, I'm the good shepherd. Therefore, everything that I do, therefore, everything that I say, therefore, how I lead is a reflection of what is best for my flock. It's best for my people. So I just had this, who are the sheep? I had a fun picture of a sheep up there. Who are the sheep? Any guesses? It's us. It's us. It was just as much the religious leaders that Jesus was talking to as it is those that we're talking to and sitting next to today. We're the sheep. And it's not a compliment, right? If you're like, oh, those are cute. Like, I like them, right? They, they seem clean. They seem nice. Uh, sheep are stupid. We'll start there. Um, they're extraordinarily dependent on the person that oversees them every day. They're actually filthy. These are really clean. Um, they must be cleaned and cared for the shepherds daily. They're defenseless. They can't run fast. They can't scare off an enemy. They don't have any sort of special spray, right, that they can spray that, that pushes people. They, they are defenseless animals. Their uh, entire, I, I wrote this one down. I, I think this is funny. Uh, they're their defense mechanism is boiled down to this. Does that sound like a dinner bell to you? I mean, out here where shepherds like would lead them through the Middle East, like it, it was pretty rough terrain. There would be bears, there would be lions, there would be wolves, there would be snakes, and every one of them would love some lamb. Every one of them, right? It's delicious. It's an easy catch. They don't run fast, right? They got wool, which means they're not going to run through water. They just sink. They can't swim. Their entire defense mechanism, walking all throughout the desert, is just this, over and over and over. So here's bad news for all of us, okay? Uh, do you know that we, as people, are referred to as sheep throughout the Bible over 200 times? Over 200 times. It doesn't feel like a compliment, does it? I, I, I don't like being compared to a sheep. I don't like thinking that this is actually me. I don't see myself that way. Do you see yourself that way? I think so many of us see ourselves as way more independent, way stronger, way wiser, uh, way less in need of anybody else than we actually give ourselves credit for. And honestly, I bet if we could get inside the mind of a sheep, we would discover the same thing. I'm fine. I don't need you. I'm good. I'm just doing my thing. I'm just hanging out with the crowd. I just follow. I mean, you've heard the thing before, right? One sheep jumps off a cliff. They'll just keep going until you build a wall in front of it. 
I think so many of us actually have way more in common with sheep than we have ever given it credit for. But here's what Jesus says, right? John 10, verse 14, I am the good shepherd. Now here, he takes it a step deeper. I, say this next word with me, know my sheep. And my sheep know me just as the father knows me and I know the father and I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. Jesus is saying, I know you. I know my sheep. I go after them. I love them. I care for them. I, I protect them. I provide for them. I administer medication to them. I will do everything for my sheep. And do, d does the shepherd do it just once? Check out this video here, right? I saw this on social media not that long ago. Uh, have you seen this video? The sheep gets stuck in this trench or cavern or whatever it is. The little shepherd boy pulls out the sheep, rescues the sheep. The sheep is free and right back where we started. The Bible says 200 times, this is us. <laughs> you ever found yourself in the same spot that you were that you escaped from previously? This is how God sees us. And I really think, you know, Jesus says, I, I am the good shepherd. I think he's the good shepherd that every time he sees us jump in and wedge ourselves and get us so stuck that he will drag us out, he will pull us out, he will whisper, I love you, I'm here with you, I'll provide for you, I'll take care of you. And then we take off running like we're good and we end up in the same spot. And he goes, that's all right, I'm the good shepherd. This is what I do. And he goes over and over and over, time and time again, whether it's relationship to relationship, whether it's job to job, whether it's divorce to divorce, whether it's loss to loss, whatever it is that the sheep keep getting stuck in, Jesus says, I want you all to understand this. I'm not a hired hand. I, I don't just leave when I'm like, that's the sixth time today I'm done. I'll be back tomorrow. Maybe it'll teach you something. Jesus says, I'm the good shepherd. I'll actually lay my life down for these sheep. I don't just have a transactional relationship with them. I have this deep longing to be with them. The best shepherds, and this is true of today as it was 2,000 years ago, the best shepherds know each individual sheep. And you would think, well, sometimes there's like hundreds of sheep. Yeah. They know each one. They, they know the nuances of their sheep. They know the needs that come with them. That just like people, the, the uniqueness actually exists in sheep as well. At the end of the day, right, when the, when the shepherd finally gets them to this corral or to the pen or whatever it is that he can just protect them, he goes sheep to sheep to sheep to sheep to sheep, administering medicine for those that are sick because not all sheep are healthy all the time. Sometimes they're, they're in need of aid. So, so the shepherd helps them and gives them medicine. He goes to others that are like struggling or they're trying to recoup and so they get extra food or they get extra water. He goes through and he makes sure that, that it's safe where they're at. He protects them from things they don't see or things that they don't understand. He, he knows the personality types. He knows which sheep are more prone to wander and to leave and to fall for certain things versus other ones. The shepherd knows each and every sheep so stinking well. And what it says is the sheep also know their shepherd. You imagine all of that regular one-on-one -on -one time, it's relational. Even, even so primitive like an animal, the shepherd knows the sheep and the sheep knows the shepherd. When Jesus talks about the voice, right? They'll, they'll know my voice. 
uh, it, it's true even today. I mean, you, you can see it all over the world. Uh, you can try to lead sheep astray. You can try to steal them. You can try to do whatever you want. A shepherd has a very unique call that the sheep understand, and they will always turn back to the shepherd. This word good that Jesus uses a couple different times, uh, it's easy to read through it and just go, okay, good. Like he's helpful, you know, or he's honorable. The, the word actually means this, superior to, noble, praiseworthy, or as one ought to be. When Jesus says, I am the good shepherd, he's saying, I am the epitome of what it looks like to lead well. I'm the epitome of what it looks like to love well. I, I am the model for what it looks like to lay one's life down for their sheep. And therefore, he is praiseworthy or noble or superior to all other shepherds. So let me just ask this question. Why is it hard then for us to follow other people in the role of shepherd in our lives? You ever have a hard time with that? You have a hard time trusting People on a stage, people lit up by lights, people with microphones. Maybe it's people on Instagram or Facebook or Twitter. Maybe people in politics or positions of power. You ever have a hard time trusting people that are in the role of a shepherd? I do. I definitely do. Uh, I thought this message was going to be easy to write, and it was awful. <laughs> It was way harder because I had to sit and start digging deeper and deeper and deeper going, why, why do I have such a resistance sometimes to Jesus as the good shepherd? And here's what I think it actually is. I think I've been burned by a lot of other people playing the role of shepherd in my life that I've learned I'm better off by myself. Anybody else relate to that? Sometimes it's hard to trust someone to follow someone, even, even like Jesus, who says, I'm the good shepherd. I lay my life down. I, I think plenty of the religious leaders there would have been like this. Really? What makes you different? What makes you different than every other leader I've had in my life that has let me down or failed me at one point or another? I probably would have been in that crowd listening to Jesus with this posture. I don't know if I buy it because I haven't seen it. Have you? I, I started making a list here. I, this is what it's labeled as. David's examples of bad leaders. <laughs> I thought it would take longer, but it really didn't. This is probably the easiest part of the whole message. I had a basketball coach that I really admired, uh, used to look up to, particularly middle school, high school. The guy was amazing. I mean, an incredible coach, led to states and nationals every single year, year after year after year. Uh, but here's the leader he was when people, when parents particularly weren't around. He would throw chairs, he would cuss out kids in practice, and then he would act totally different as soon as parents showed up. I mean, screaming his head off to the point that you were terrified. But then, then everybody shows up and he's this very nice, put together, godly man. I had a teacher that punished me academically uh, because we had differing religious beliefs. She believed one thing, I believed another. It kind of came out early in the class. She punished me academically. She humiliated me in front of all of these, uh, all of these friends of mine and did it for a year. I couldn't escape. And, and she was in the role of a shepherd, of one who's supposed to be leading and caring for and providing and teaching. What I learned was I can't trust you. Here's another one. I had a boss that invested in me early uh, in my career as a young man, uh, and then he bailed on me. 
because he was cheating on his wife. He left his family, left his job, quit. It was a month in and just gone. These are three of my like eight or nine that I came up with just sitting, you know, and it's hard for me to actually follow people in the role of shepherd. Because way back, I'm just like, it's a matter of time. And I, I wish I could be honest with you and say like, I don't ever have that struggle with Jesus and I don't ever wrestle with, you know, is he going to do what he says he, he's going to do? Is he going to be who he's promised that he is? Is he actually going to follow through? Is he actually going to deliver? Is he actually going to lead me to a place that I need to be? I, I still struggle with it regularly. And here's what I would also say to you, uh, especially for those of you that have a platform, uh, I don't know, power or influence or the role where you're responsible for other people. Isn't it true that it gets harder the greater your influence actually becomes? It becomes harder and harder and harder to actually continue to follow Jesus, to lay down the, this thing that starts tickling this itch that you have of like, okay, I just, I feel like I'm in control now, or I feel like I have authority now, or I feel like uh, I'm safe now, or I feel like I'm provided for now, or I feel like I, I, I'm actually represented well, or I have something that I didn't have before. It becomes so difficult then to trust Jesus as he identifies himself as the good shepherd, because it feels like you're going to leave that stuff behind to trust one more leader that you're hoping isn't going to let you down. I mean, if I asked one more question in this whole deal, this would be my question. Uh, <clears throat> why does God allow bad shepherds to exist? I mean, if you've ever been burned by a pastor, have you ever asked that? Why did God let him be a pastor? Maybe you were hurt or wounded by a, a, a parent or a grandparent or, or an aunt, uncle, like I have. I, you ever wonder, like, why, why would God ever give them the ability to do that to somebody? If you've ever had a teacher like that, a boss, a supervisor, isn't it a fair question? Like, God, why, why would you allow other shepherds like that when they do the damage that most of us don't see, but all of us have experienced. God, why would you actually allow that, especially in your church? Man, I mean, we could fill up a whole sermon just talking about leaders in the church that have blown up their lives in the last couple of years. Fair? I, I think what Jesus is doing today, just as what he was doing 2,000 years ago, is he's juxtaposing even the best of the worldly leaders and himself. I don't think he's trying to punish us. I don't, I don't think he's trying to hurt us or wound us. I, I think what he continues to do, though, is to say, I am the good shepherd. I am the leader that you need. I am the pastor that you need. I, I am the father that you need. I, I, he keeps offering himself, saying, if you will come to me, I can do for you what no one else can do. I can be for you what no one else can be. I can provide for you what no one else on this planet can actually provide for you. All you have to do is come to me. I am your good shepherd. And I think so often we go, I'll try one more over here. And, and I think what he does, he doesn't go by force. He doesn't go angrily. 
He, he just continues to beckon, continues to invite, continues to extend the opportunity to come and know and learn and understand and relate to the good shepherd that he actually is. He opens the door for us. He yells his special call and waits for his sheep to actually respond to him. There's this old story in World War I there was a shepherd uh, out in Jerusalem. He was on this hillside, and there was a thief that came during the night and actually stole his flock out from under him. So, I mean, imagine you're a shepherd, right? You're responsible, and he owns the sheep. These are his sheep. This is his livelihood. This is his retirement. But we've already talked about this. It's even deeper than transactional. The, these are his sheep. You can't just hand him 100 more and go, are you good now? He's going, no, I knew those sheep. They knew me. So here's, here's what happens. He wakes up. He can hear far off, like, I, I hear my sheep. Uh, whoever stole him or whoever stole the sheep from him were leading the sheep up this mountain. And so the shepherd knows I can't take them by force. I can't come and just show up, you know, whether it's guns or swords or whatever. I, I'm not just going to fight. I won't win. So you know what he does? This is awesome. This is an awesome story. Here's what he does. He does his special, unique call. Oh, whatever it is. All the sheep turn around. Imagine you're the guy that just pulled off the greatest heist in shepherd stealing history, right? You're like, I got them. Look at them all. This is going to be delicious. And you're leading them. And all of a sudden, you're this really weird call noise from approximately the location that you just stole the sheep from. And every one of your sheep turn around and leave. And he's sitting there going, no, 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 come here. And you start doing every call you can think of. You start yelling at him. You start trying to corral him. You start trying to pull him with your shepherd's staff. You, you try to do whatever you can to keep those sheep. Those sheep know you're not my shepherd. You're not my shepherd. My shepherd's out there. I just heard his call. I know his voice. Sheep, sheep are experts at discerning the voice of their shepherd. So the guy just sits there and waits. And every one of those sheep comes back. Let me ask you a convicting question. Do you know the voice of the good shepherd? Do you know Jesus' voice? Who's not gonna come with force? Who's not gonna beat you or hit you or corral you into submission? I think Jesus, what he was after in this statement when he said, I am the good shepherd, he's just saying, here's my voice. You wanna know my voice? It's my word. It's the Bible. It's the Holy Spirit. Like I speak to my sheep. My sheep know me. They know my voice. I think Jesus is calling and inviting and extending the opportunity just to come back to him. So the question, who, who are you following right now? Who are you building your life on right now? What podcast are you listening to that like you're, you're making life decisions about? What boss are you adapting or sacrificing some of the most important things in your life to try and please? What, what, what career ladder or end goal are you just after going, man, whatever, whatever shepherd exists that I want to work under, serve under, live under, be under, you know, listen under, whatever, whatever shepherd, whatever leader, whatever role, it, where are they leading you? Are they pointing you to the great shepherd? Or are they pointing you to themselves? What about you if you're a leader? If you're a parent, if you're a grandparent, if you're a boss, a supervisor, a teacher, a judge, whatever it is. Are you pointing people to the good shepherd or are you actually pointing them to yourself?
every role should point to the good shepherd. Every single one of them. Brian Bloom, the senior pastor of the Zero Collective, has this statement he said a couple years ago. I was at Frontline when he said it, and I just loved it, so I'm going to steal it. Uh, The statement was this, if I haven't disappointed you yet, I will get around to you soon. I think that's true of every leader, every shepherd, every parent, every grandparent, every boss. Every If I haven't disappointed you yet, I will get around to you soon. Except Jesus. He's the one that doesn't disappoint. He's the one that doesn't let down. He's the one that doesn't fail. He's the one that continues to provide the opportunity. If you want to experience what it's like being under a shepherd that doesn't fail you, and even more so that when the threat comes, when the animal comes, when the enemy comes, I'm the type of shepherd that lays my life down for the sheep. That's how much he loves you. That's how much he loves us. I think the reminder, as I sat with this today, I was like, what's the piece? What's the crux of it? What's the, what's the lot? It's so simple today. Jesus actually is the good shepherd. That's who he is. The invite that he gives all of us is that people can reflect God, but no one can replace him. I think when we start losing it, when things start falling apart, when shepherds start hurting us, wounding us, whatever, we are forced to reconcile this statement. Are they a reflection of God or am I trying to replace them with God? Here's the shepherd's voice calling out, going, here I am. Jesus demonstrated his own love for us just on the cross. Died a sinner's death, a criminal's death, with you and I in mind, knowing this is what they are destined for. Pain, suffering, separation from God. And Jesus goes, I'm the good shepherd. I see the enemy, right? The the Bible talks about the enemy as being a lion that prowls around looking for those to steal, kill, and destroy. And Jesus says, that is the animal I'm going after. I'll lay my life down for the survival of my sheep. That's you and me. So just the question I have for you is, is he your shepherd? Is he your pastor? Is he your father? Is he your leader? Are you building your life on him because everybody else is going to disappoint you? Maybe you've never heard this about Jesus before. That's who he is. He's the good shepherd, better than all the rest lays down his life, sacrifices for his sheep, not out of obligation, not out of duty, not for some sort of compensation or ego trip. He lays his life down because his love is so overwhelming that it is the only option available to him. He just lays his life down so that you and him can spend forever together. If you don't know that about Jesus, that's what Jesus thinks about you. Madly in love. And you might be saying, well, even the time that I screw up, even the time that I cheated, even the time I got fired, even the time that I was addicted, even the time, yeah, every time you jumped in that pit, that shepherd came out and again said, I'm still here. I'm still chasing you. I'm still following you. You're fast, but you're not fast enough. He loves you. So the question, again, a couple questions maybe I would have is, is, is if you've never trusted in him as your shepherd, what's stopping you today? from just saying, Jesus, I want you in that role. 
I'm not going to chase every other leader or any other leader. I just want you because you're the good shepherd that lays down his life for me. But here, here's the other side of that coin. Uh, you might say, I know that already. I've given my life to him already. I've been baptized. I serve here at the church. You, you might go, I check all these other boxes. Here's my question. Who needs to hear that message today? Who in your life? Who in your circle? Who in your business? Who in your family? Who in your workplace? Who in your neighborhood? Who actually needs to hear this is who Jesus is? I was in a conference maybe 10 years ago, 15 years ago, something like that. And I still remember they made us all pull our phones out. And they said, there's people all in your lives right now that don't have a relationship with Jesus and they need one. And sometimes the only way they're ever going to hear is from your mouth. And I remember I was sitting there going, I got somebody in my mind. I know who it is. I remember I texted them. They responded. It actually led to this awesome conversation about this is who God is. And I, I still remember their response. It was like, wow, that was timely. In your own prayer life, in your own quiet time, just as you leave today, maybe you have somebody on your mind right now. Can I, can I just ask, would you just submit that to the Holy Spirit and say, okay, Holy Spirit, do you actually want me to initiate something? Do you want me to share something? Do you want me to say something? Do you want me to text something? And then be obedient to what he puts on your heart. Because God may be inviting you into the process of allowing somebody else that you love, somebody else that you care about to actually understand that there is no worldly shepherd that's going to satisfy every need that they have. There is no worldly shepherd that's going to deliver them from what they're struggling with. There's no worldly leader or shepherd that can heal them from the deep-seated brokenness in their heart or in their body, but there is one good shepherd that you know. I just want to ask you, who are you sharing it with? Who are you sharing it with? Our world needs Jesus. You can write that down. Our world needs Jesus. We need Jesus. Because he's a good shepherd who loves his sheep so much more than we could ever even give him credit for. And he's invited us to be a part of the process for saving the world. So, what's stopping us? There's a prayer wall. I think it's in the back. Somebody who's here a lot more than I am confirm. Dave? Kyle, there you are. Where's the prayer wall? Is there a prayer wall? It's right here. This is the spot. I remember that now. Um, if you want to come forward... Uh, for prayer afterwards, I know Kyle will be up here. Some other members of the team will be up here. Um, let, let's just move into a time just saying, okay, Jesus, we, we'll just be obedient to you. We'll just come back to you. Whatever shepherd we've been chasing, we're just going to come right back to you. We're going to come to the foot of the cross here. So can we pray? Father, uh, thank you for being the good shepherd that we don't have to fear. Thanks for being the good shepherd that laid his life down for us. Thanks for being the good shepherd that just continues to chase after us when we get ourselves stuck over and over and over and over and over again. Uh, God, I thank you for your grace, for your mercy, for your whole attitude towards us. It's not demeaning or condescending, but just open, loving, gracious. Uh, I just pray that Whoever's here right now, whether it's in the room, whether watching online, uh, 
uh, that they would just that they would understand the character of you not through the lens of a leader that's hurt them or wounded them or disappointed them, but just uh, I pray that we would all leave with a different understanding of who you are, of the depth of your love for us, of the power that you are capable of, and that we, that we would just trust you in every area of our lives, that we just lift that. Um, we would pause what we're doing to discern your voice that we would stop long enough to hear where you're calling us, where you're beckoning us, that I pray that we would just move towards your voice. So we just pray this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said...